You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Brad Jones. The title of today's talk is When Grace Comes to Town. When Grace Comes to Town. We're going to be in uh, John chapter one. Before we go there, I'll tell you about the most famous person that ever came to visit my hometown, uh, Canyon, Texas, just outside of Amarillo. Really, they came to Amarillo, no, not Canyon, but that's just beside the point. Um, up until this point in my life, I knew there, there were some musicians, famous musicians that came to town, mostly country music stars like Garth Brooks, I don't, I don't know, Kenny Rogers might have come. I know Louis, Pastor Louis got a little confused between the two last week. George Strait definitely came to Amarillo. So all of his exes lived in Texas. Um, I, rem- I think my first concert was Reba McIntyre. We got any Reba fans? Whoa, Reba still holding on strong. Um, the Harlem Globetrotters showed up at some point in Canyon, Texas, played against some of the Dallas Cowboys of Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith. That was a big deal. But none of it, none of them compared to the time that the one and only Oprah showed up. 1998, not only did she show up, but she came and filmed her show in Amarillo, Texas, because she was getting sued by the Texas Cattlemen's Association. Do any of you remember this? She had done a report on mad cow disease and uh, these cattlemen, they uh, accused her of making the price. She was so popular, such a big deal. That report plummeted the price of cattle. Cattle was king. It smelled terrible, but it also, everyone said, smelled like money. And uh, they did not like that the price of cattle crashed. So they, they were like, we'll show you, Oprah. We're going to sue you. She was like, I'll show you. I'm going to do my show in your hometown and make you know that all your wives like me more than they like you. We were all faced with a choice when Oprah came to town. And uh, that's why I, I launched into this talk, When Grace Comes to Town. We all have a choice to make when Jesus shows up, when he arrives into our story. And that's what John's trying to say in John chapter one. It's the fourth of the gospels. The first three, the synoptic gospels. The last one, John's account takes a little bit different approach. So instead of starting with a baby in a manger or a genealogy, he actually starts with uh, uh, the view from heaven. Let's start at the very beginning and it's like a heaven down to the to earth story versus a earth up to heaven. And we're actually gonna jump in in, in chapter, uh, chapter one, verse 14. We'll bounce around for a little bit, but we're gonna center here. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of, of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The message version says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Just like Oprah showed up into Canyon and Amarillo, Texas. So the Son of God became the Son of Man 
and arrived on planet Earth. Grace showed up. Jesus showed up. He came full of grace and truth. John's calling him the word, logos. You see that in John chapter 1, 1. We'll just bounce around. In the beginning was the word, the logos. Uh, What's that mean? It's not a word, it's the word. The expression of God is who John's saying Jesus is. God is revealing himself to us. That is good news. God is not far off in distance and we just gotta like guess. No, he wants us to know who he is. His character, his heart, his work in creation, his work in redemption, his work in salvation. It's all a picture in Jesus. It says the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him, saying through the word, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, there, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm gonna skip around to verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only son who is himself God and is in, is in closest relationship with the father. He, he said, he, the one and only son has made him known. Who is this Jesus? Who is this baby? Who is this one that became flesh and blood? He wasn't just with God. He wasn't just like God. He didn't just know God. No, he was God in the flesh. The grace of God has shown up. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is what you and I have the tendency to grow numb to. This is what sometimes you and I fail to remember in awe and worship. Grace has come to town. Grace has shown up. And yes, I don't know about you, but come on, how many times, especially if you grow up in the church, have we been to a gathering the Sunday before Christmas or the week of Christmas and celebrated Christmas? But for all of us, we, we, we just tend to miss it too often. And God's like, there is a miracle. And it's that the Son of God, God in the flesh, has chosen to come into your town and come into my town and come into your story and come into my story. And what's our response gonna be to this grace of God? Like some of us, I mean, I really wanna know what God's like. You can know what God is like. How? Look at Jesus. Yes, hopefully you'll see Jesus and people and Jesus in the church and Jesus and all of us. But the best way to know God, who God is, look at Jesus because he is God. Look at the way he acted. Look at the way he treated people. Look at the way um, that he interacted, who he hung out with. Look at his death. Look at his, his resurrection. Look at his humility. Look at this word. This word reveals Jesus who reveals God. Had a conversation with a buddy a, a couple weeks ago and he told me, like, Brad, I start reading my Bible every day and it's changing my life. And I'm like, come on, somebody. It's changing his life because God's revealing himself to him. This is the work of Jesus. This is the work. He came full 
of grace and truth. When you think about God, what do you think his posture is towards you? Not, not just us, but towards you. What, what is his posture? What is his body language? Because body language tells a story, does it not? You ever trying to talk to somebody and they're not looking you in the eye? Kind of like some of you not looking at me right now. What does that communicate? Now I got you on your toes right there. You talk to your kids and they, you think they're listening to you, but yet they're, or you hope they're listening to you, but they're watching TV and their whole body is pointed to the TV and they won't turn their head and actually acknowledge you think they understand. No, they didn't know what you're saying. They just got good at going, yeah, uh-huh, I got it. It's like my body language at my 8 a.m. classes in college. I had it down. I would get in there. I don't care if I was on the front row or the last row. I would just get my book open and I would just get my hand right here and I'd take a good nap. <laughs> it worked most of the time until I'd accidentally drop my pen. It would be like startled open and the, I, dead giveaway to the professor that I'd been asleep this whole time. Didn't really work out when I went and asked him for a bump up in my grade by four points to get to that next, you know, letter. And uh, he's like, you weren't really here before 8.30 and you were also asleep most of class. I'm like, good point, but still, what about those four? Like, just can you take me up not? What's God's body language and his posture towards you and me? That's what grace actually talks about. The word grace, yes, I've always defined as the unmerited favor of God. Undeserved, unearned, we, we receive favor. Always also define grace as us getting what we don't deserve. Because what we deserve is wrath. Brittany, amazing job hosting, does way better than me. Can I get an amen? Shouldn't have done that. That actually, I was not, you know, I'm kidding. I'm moving on. Um, doing a great job talking about the grace of God, the love of God. What we deserve is wrath. What we deserve is judgment. What we deserve is punishment. We've all, like sheep, gone astray. We've all sinned and fallen short. But what we get is grace, is love, is relationship. We didn't earn it. We get what we don't deserve. But when you really dig down into the word grace, it's talking about God's posture towards you and me. And that posture, that word means to be fully extended towards you and me. Isn't that awesome? God's not up in heaven, just arms crossed, show me what you got. Show me how good you are. Prove yourself to me. Nor is he turned the other direction, not caring about our life. He's not distant, uninterested. No, he is fully extended and we see this in the person of Jesus. He, wa he wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him. He wants to be near to you and he wants you to be near to him. He comes near not to judge. He comes near to bless and to pour out his favor. God sent his son Jesus who was full of grace, fully extended so that he could bless you and me. He came full of grace and he came full of truth. Yes, we use that full of truth line to try to 
project to the world that our way is better and we know what's right, we know how to live. And yes, uh, there is a truth to living the way Jesus wants us to live, but it's even way more than that. He's full of truth, which means he's full of the true meaning of life. Jesus came as the true light that really brings light to the darkness. So when he says, I'm full of grace, I'm full to come and favor you, but I'm also full of truth. I'm here to show you the true way to live because there's a lot of options. There's a lot of opinions. There's a, there's a lot of different ways and religions and none of them will work. None of them will satisfy your soul. None of them will lead to the life God wants you to live. Jesus is the way, the truth, and he is the life. You wanna know purpose, don't look to your bank account. You wanna know significance, don't look to your popularity. If you wanna know fullness, don't just look at your relational circumstances. No, look to Jesus. He's full of truth. So what's your response? And what's my response to this man named Jesus, who yes, came as a baby in humility, God in the flesh, who, who died on the cross, who rose up from the grave. He came to reveal God to us, to be God in the flesh. What, what is our response to this grace that has shown up? There, there's three points uh, that I think we should all decide between what our response will be. First one, our choice we can make or our response is we either receive or reject the grace of God. You have a choice. I have a choice to either receive and accept and believe in. This is what John was saying in verse 12, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Some of you in this room have never received grace. You have never chosen for yourself. That's why in almost every gathering, we wanna give people the chance to put their faith in Jesus because there'll be somebody who's been trying to do it on their own. Make, it, make their own path, be good enough, have their own life order, in order. No, receive the favor of God. You, you could reject it. You could do your own thing. You could go your own way. You could just try to be good enough. That, that happens in our, in our context, in our culture, but especially in cultures all over the world. Got the privilege to visit some different ministries this week in the Middle East with one of our amazing partners. And we were traveling in multiple countries, but it was countries where the grace of God is not something that is talked about. It's all about works-based religion. It's a, a group of people, billions of people, that think they have to always be good enough to earn God's blessing and can never live in certainty of what's gonna happen to them with, when they die or if they're in good standing with God. We, we were driving around and even one of our friends is pointing out like people are always trying to earn, never assured, never certain. It's so much so they might even go and build a, a different house of worship just to try to earn God's favor. This is not the gospel. The gospel is we are favored by God because Jesus, he came to town to show us we are 
favored. We don't have to live in uncertainty. We don't have to live unknowing. No, we can have assurance. This is mind-blowing. We got the chance, Pastor Louis is sharing with a group of people living on mission in one of these contexts, and he brought a powerful word, and afterwards, the guy got up and on the, on the keyboard just started singing, Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Grace has shown up, and you and I can be assured you don't, if you put your faith in Jesus, you don't have to doubt if you're favored by God. Maybe circumstances don't go your way, but the cross is proof that God is on your side. The cross is proof that he will never leave or forsake you. The cross is proof that God loves you. You can have that assurance. So yes, you might mess up. You might go the wrong way, but you're still in the grace and the love of God. If you've received it, if you haven't, you're taking your life and your soul in your own hands. The second choice we need to make is we either embrace or ignore the grace of God. We either embrace it or we ignore it. Peter was writing to a group of believers scattered. They were under persecution. Life wasn't easy. And the very last verse of 2 Peter says, that he is praying that they would, the believers would grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory. Second Peter 3, 18, challenging believers to grow in the grace. What's that mean to grow in the grace? I thought we had grace. I thought we were standing in grace, living in grace. No, grace isn't just a one-time event where we put our faith in Jesus and get eternal life. No, grace is the power which God wants to use to propel us through our life. You know that, right? It's, like, it's an example that gets used a lot, but it's very practical. I'm right now in a situation with my phone where the battery dies after 30 minutes, it seems, every single day. Anybody else in that situation? I know Apple has told us they're not depleting our battery on purpose, but I do not believe them in this case in time. It got so bad when I was traveling recently and I it was out throughout the day and I forgot my charger, didn't want to go buy one. I'd ask somebody at a restaurant if I could use one of their chargers. It wasn't working and I was at a mall and I was like, forget it, I'm just going straight to Apple. And I'm walking into Apple and I was like, hey, I'm here to charge my phone. They're like, no, you're here to buy one? No, charge it. I don't want to buy the new one yet. I just want to charge this one. We'll fix it. No, I just need you to charge it because it's your fault. It's not working. So I just plugged it in and hung out for 30 minutes and surfed on one of the iPads. And they thought I was an idiot for coming to the source to get what I needed, to get the power I needed. God wants you to come to the source to get the power that you need. He invites you. John the Baptist was saying later in, in chapter one, he said, I, I baptize with water, but there's one coming who's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So not only is grace come to your town, not, as, not only is the grace of God with us, but in Jesus, the grace of God is in us. 
The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and me as a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. We have access, unlimited access to power. And as Christians, we have to decide, are we gonna embrace that power and depend on God? Or are we gonna deny that power, ignore that power? And even though we receive God by faith in, through grace, we, de we decide to start living our, our life as a Jesus follower back in our workspace mentality. That's why Jesus, uh, Paul was telling the, the, the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who tricked you? Why are you back into operating in the flesh when the, yes, you receive God's power through, or salvation through grace, but now walk in that, that grace. Life's hard. Can I get an amen? Life, life can be hard. One of the, the, the things that God was putting on my heart so much for this talk was people that are about to have hard Christmases. And Allison uh, mentioned it beautifully in the giving last week about Christmas not always being the most wonderful time of year because of some of the chaos. But a lot of the reasons it's because of the pain. The pain uh, of who's not at the table. The pain of broken relationships. And, and some of you, and I talk to a lot of people are, are already so worked up or holidays just accentuates the pain. Life's not easy. But, but God wants you to have power. And it's called, it's called Grace. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. So no matter what you're walking through, embrace the power that God's given you. The apostle Paul, he, he had a great life, but it wasn't easy. Second Corinthians chapter 12, he tells the story of having a thorn in his flesh and going to God three different times. Could you take this away? Jesus, could you take this away. Jesus, could you change this circumstance? But the answer was no, because Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus didn't take it away because he wanted Paul to experience the power of the grace working inside of him. He wanted him to learn to embrace the grace. Embrace the grace. Life is hard. It's not easy. But daily make the decision not to ignore, but to embrace the grace of God, the Holy Spirit in your life. That's the choice that you get to make. And then lastly, the point that we, the choice that we get to make is we either point people towards or point people away from the grace of God. We either point people towards it or point people away from it. This is what uh, John was writing in verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following 
and he asks, what do you want? <laughs> I just get the picture of like, I mean, Jesus knows all things, so he actually probably knew what they wanted, but he tried to treat them like stalkers for a minute. Like, y'all good? Like, I've seen you follow me for about 15 minutes. Are you everything okay? What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. Still seems like a stalker. But they spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought Andrew, brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. John the Baptist had an amazing ministry. He he was a little unique. Nice way of saying he was weird. Out in the desert, preparing the way for the Lord, telling people to repent for the kingdom of God was near. He didn't have the full picture. He didn't know what Jesus looked like. He had just received a call from God to prepare the way and to announce that the kingdom was coming near. Then he met Jesus and the spirit descended on Jesus to point, this is the guy you've been talking about. He had said about Jesus, the one that comes after me has surpassed me. This is in verse 15. The one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Crucial, study that statement a little bit more. He also said about Jesus, I'm not, un, I'm not worthy to an untie this man's sandals. And then he constantly pointed people not to himself. He wasn't walking around, hey, everybody, whoa, look, look. Look how good I am. Look how talented I am. Check out these crowds. Check out how many people I've baptized. Y'all want a year-end impact report? I personally baptized. No, he just kept pointing to people to Jesus. You gotta know Jesus. You gotta know Jesus. You gotta meet Jesus. He, he's just pointing people. He had an assignment from God. He said, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one from the beginning. This is the one by whom and through whom all things were created. This is the one that we've been longing for. This is the one we've been looking for. This is the one who has come to take away the sins of the world. He was so humble and he was so committed to the person of Jesus. He even pointed his own disciples. He had followers. He had guys. He, had, he was a rabbi. He was teaching people. But he's like, I can help you, but you know who can save you, who can change you? It's that man. I can tell you about him, but you can meet him. Go follow that man. And I, I want you to know that's, that's our hope of anybody that stands on this stage. Yes, we pray God uses us, but our message, even when we always try to remind our team, our door holders, our church family, that Jesus is our lead story. It's not trying to make much of me or anybody else on this stage. 
I don't always get it right. It's not trying to make much of the name of Passion City Church. We are a little C church that's a part of the big C church. And it's not our church, it's His church. So know Jesus. Follow Jesus. And as you walk with Jesus and as you receive Jesus and as you embrace the power of Jesus, then you in turn have what it takes to be like John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist didn't change anybody's life in his own power and strength. He just kept pointing. He kept pointing. That's the man. That's the God man. That's the grace of God. That's the posture of God. If we're not careful, most of us, just to add a little conviction in this Christmas season, most of us, if we're not careful, point people away from Jesus either trying to take the attention for ourselves or not looking anything like Jesus, which becomes a pretty big stumbling block for a world that's watching. And it's looking for a reason not to believe. We gotta wrestle with some big questions in the world if we're following Jesus. That, that can be a stumbling block. But more often than not, when I talk to people, what's thrown them off? is Jesus people that didn't live like Jesus people. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean it's all up to us. Doesn't mean we get it right all the time. It means that grace has still come to us, that we continue to receive it. We continue to embrace it. We continue to know that God forgives us and fills our shortcomings. I mean, even think about trying to raise my kids. I'm like, I need grace because I don't get that right all the time. And of course, I'm praying that even as a pastor, I wouldn't scar my children from believing in God based on a, a temper or a lack of patience I might have in moments of weakness. But I'm not, it's not all up to me, but I get a choice. Do I wanna point people towards the grace or will I point people away? from the grace. And the last thing I want you to see is this, and we're gonna take communion together. Uh, John the Baptist, we, we, we read it. In an effort to point people to Jesus, he, he pointed Andrew, one of his disciples. What did Andrew do? Andrew went and got his brother. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, come with me, come meet this guy. His brother happened to be Peter. And Peter is a central leader in the early church, as many of you know. Peter was the one that preached the first sermon after Pentecost where thousands got saved. P Peter was the guy that Jesus looked at and said, on you and on people like you and on confessions of faith like yours, I'm gonna build my church and nothing's gonna stop me. And, and if you're just, if you're putting the dots together, connecting the dots, you're like, well, that's awesome that God used Peter, that Jesus used Peter. But let's talk about for a minute how Jesus used Andrew. Because if Jesus didn't 
If Andrew didn't follow Jesus, who knows how God would have got to Peter? Probably another way because he's sovereign and in control, but he chose, I don't know how it all works out. He chose to get his brother to go get him. And then let's go back to John the Baptist because where would Andrew have been if it weren't for that time that John the Baptist had spent pouring into a guy like Andrew, teaching him that something better was coming, that grace was coming. So John the Baptist, pointed Andrew and Andrew pointed Peter and Peter pointed thousands and thousands and thousands to Jesus. Who gets more credit? It's all Jesus. Some water, some plant, but it's God that causes the growth. Don't get too caught up in what your role is. Like Dave said in the giving, just get caught up that God wants to use you and me to bring people to his grace. Because grace, it's always on the move. Moving to us, with us, moving in us, and then moving through us. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, Visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.